0: Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. So glad that you are tuning in to spend some
1: time with us. It's always a uh, a treat and a privilege, and we're always humbled by those who would spend some time with us, and we're trying to make this as uh, value-packed and powerful as possible as we're talking about issues that we know uh, we're all facing. And I think when we ended our last series um, uh, talking about how you know Christians can't avoid what's coming like the the ideological tidal wave is is landing on yeah. our shores you're going to get wet you know and we need to know how to how to deal with this we we got to be ready we got to be equipped and it takes courage you know to open our mouths and to speak on these issues so bring us up to speed from where we were last time we kicked off kind of a new book that we're going to use to guide our thoughts yeah we talked about
0: Roger's book um lived not by lies which really it's his framework of how Christians should interact in this uh in this world we live in right now and based on historical precedents based on yeah um in fact what I love about the book
1: is he he uh, he interviews a whole bunch of former soviet you know bloc people citizens who who live through uh stalin's communism yeah and they understand what a totalitarian country looks like. But I think what's most important, at least for for us, is they understand the baby steps that it took, the kind of the the cultural slide to go from a democratic republic which most of those nations were to a full-blown totalitarian regime they saw the landmarks they seen yeah. the landmarks like oh they look familiar yeah and they're able to say hey yeah you know you guys wake up in fact uh, that to me is what the book really is it's, it's a it is a cry to wake up before it's too late um, and, and for that, we can be grateful that, that Rod Dreher took the time and, and did all the research and listened to the voices of those who who know what's coming, yeah. and um, hopefully we'll learn from it. So last week, we started to introduce kind of the, the difference between uh, <coughs> hard and soft totalitarianism, yeah. uh, and maybe it would be good just to review that. You know, hard totalitarianism is what we saw and what Alexander Solzhenitsyn lived through in the Soviet gulag, um, where you have people that are simply... Arrested in the middle of the night, beaten, tortured, thrown in prisons, worked in labor camps, uh, solitary confinement, families, you know, exploding, blowing up, separation, uh, loss of jobs, starvation. I mean, we've heard about all the horrific things, not only from the Nazi Holocaust, but from the Soviet Union Holocaust. And now modern day. Uh, Communist Chinese and, and, uh, and uh, North Vietnam, some of these horrific places where human rights are being trampled. That's not soft. That's not, that's hard totalitarianism. That's not soft totalitarianism. Talk about what's, what's the soft totalitarianism? <laughs> that's a big word. <laughs> I say it a lot of times. <laughs> the soft
0: totalitarianism yeah. that we're experiencing in America today. What does that look like? Right. So instead of, you know, well, I was going to say, instead of the police knocking your door, which Actually, it has been happening more and more in America yeah, today. Yeah. We're starting to creep into the heart. But it's censorship—is losing your job, yeah. shadow ban, or just straight up censorship on uh, being banned on social media, uh, ostrac- uh, ostracized yeah. by society, shame, name calling, call, name calling, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. And
1: that's everywhere. That yeah. is absolutely everywhere. And 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 I think it's important. That this is another uh, three key words. I think it's good for us to introduce because this is involved in a lot of corporate America. It's, it's called DEI—diversity, equity inclusivity. Now, all of those words, again, are, are nice words, and they're rooted in, a, in an idea of social justice. Yeah. One thing about America is I think this is why um, the soft version of totalitarianism is so easy for us to embrace, is because we're suckers for justice. And, and that came out of our um, Judeo-Christian worldview. I mean, that's that's the, what we cut our teeth on. And when I talk about that, what I mean is these are biblical values when it comes in terms of caring for the poor, the needy, the, the genuinely oppressed, uh, wanting a, a play, uh, an even playing field, uh, fairness. We're all about integrity in the marketplace, you know. We're all about equal weights and balances. These, these are biblical things. Like you don't go to the gas station and think you're getting a gallon, but you're really only getting a half a gallon because somebody's lying to you at the pump. We'd be outraged over that kind of uh, duplicity. Uh, and so when it comes to this whole notion of social justice, if you're not careful and you don't look at the terms and you don't look at the agenda carefully, terms like diversity, inclusivity, and equity um, all sound so Christian. And we put our arms and our hearts around it, and we don't realize it, but we're swallowing a bunch of lies.
0: Yeah, um, and, and they, they hinge on like the happy ending the the feel good point of diverse the the 5% diversity that's you know that's like seems to, seem to be so uh happy or so so uh appetizing to the public yeah. but diversity is a very complex idea in terms right. because you, No organization, no nation can survive under the guise of diversity. Because when you talk about diversity, what are you talking about? Diversity of worldviews, diversity of skin color, diversity of background, how about diversity of values? What what organization can exist when there's a diversity of value? You have no organization, you have no nation. Well, he points out in the book, you
1: can't have a culture without a cult. And we tend to think of cult as some weird religious group. That's That's not the definition. The, the definition of cult, which makes for culture, is that there's a transcendent moral order under which everybody operates. Right. Even communism had a cult. The cult was the party. Yeah. Uh, everybody submitted their personal agendas to the larger party. So in America, and as, as Christians, the cult would be we submit ourselves, we're one nation under God. When you take away God, you take away the the cult, you take away the religious transcendent order, and then all you're left with is selfishness. And so, for instance, we talk about diversity. Well, the church should be the most diverse place on planet Earth, and I'm grateful to say our church is incredibly diverse, but it's a diversity of the beautiful way in which God has created differences among us. When you take out the moral compass, Mm which is what our culture's done today. A celebration of diversity becomes a celebration of perversity. Mm -hmm. We celebrate things that God condemns. And so we take something as beautiful as diversity. We pervert it because we remove God from it. And then you get this very ugly form of diversity, which means we have to accept everything weird and perverse and abnormal. And if you disagree, we no longer include you you know, so now our inclusivity no longer applies to anybody who disagrees
0: with our definition right. of diversity. Diversity has to be uh, the one side of the coin. The other side of the coin has to be unity. Diversity doesn't work unless you have something to unify around. Think about the United States of America. Yeah. It used to be that we have a diverse 50 states. We have different location, probably different... Backgrounds, different historical contexts, but we unify under the Constitution. Yeah. But when you throw the Constitution out as something that needs to be evolved or modified or whatever, there's no unifying factor we have in America today, which is there is the, un- the diversity itself. What can never sustain any nation, organization, family? It just will not work. So when you just talk about diversity, 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 it's it's a feel good term with no substance unless you talk about unity. It just does not work. And let's throw in the word equity because that's real pop, real popular now. We
1: used to believe in in the concept. This is a, this is a biblical concept: equal opportunity. In other words, and a level playing field. So. You, myself, whoever else, no matter what our our racial background, our socioeconomic background, we have the same opportunities uh, as Americans to succeed. That's biblical. Equity says not equal opportunities, but equal outcomes. So now we have to take away from somebody who's done better, who's made good choices, who's worked hard. Um, who's really applied themselves. Now we have to take <coughs> away what they've made and we have to give it to somebody else because it doesn't matter uh, equal equal opportunity. What matters is equal outcomes. Everybody needs to have the same paycheck. Everybody needs to be able to live in the same house. Everybody needs to drive the same car. Um, but as we know, that, that is a socialistic myth. If, if if 100 people won the, the lotto, or let's say 50 people from all over the United States, everybody was a lottery win, winner, and they all won $10 million. I guarantee you, if you looked a year from that point, you would not find equal equal. You would not find equity. What started in equity would not end in equity. It would end in a great disparity. And some of those people would, would be broke. Some of those people would have made great investments. Some of those people would have blown it all in a month. And it just shows you it, it completely removes any sense of personal responsibility or accountability, uh, and it leads you to poverty, which leads you to government being more involved, which leads you to
0: the totalitarianism that we're that we see all over the which world. At least, uh, I mean, that's the famous experiment by that college professor who says, "Hey, you know what? For the next test, we're all going to get the same grade. Doesn't care, doesn't matter how much you study, how much you work, how much you learn. Everyone's going to get the same grade." And you know, after the first test or so. Uh, everyone got the grades. Well, guess what? Everyone was upset. You know, the students work really hard and the students who didn't do any work got the same grade, yep. right? And then the next test, the grade kept going down lower. It's the average of the grades, I believe. Yep. It, the grades keep getting lower because the, the good students are like, why should I work hard to get a good grade? Because I'm going to get the same grade one else gets anyway. Yep. That's what happens. So productivity decreases, yep. accountability decreases, everything decreases. Entrepreneurship, why is yeah. anybody going to make an investment? Why should I them? take that risk to venture out when... I don't get any extra benefits from it. It's, it it doesn't collide. It doesn't conform to human nature, the biblical understanding of human nature, you know, of who we are. It, it assumes it's utopianism, which doesn't exist. Exactly, and and
1: I think this is important for where we're at today, because Solzhenitsyn's comment, uh, "Live not by lies," was something that he so strongly believed in because he saw that the the communist regime. <laughs> was built on lie after lie after lie. It's all propaganda. If they, if the party tells you two plus two is five, then your job is to believe what the party says because truth is really just a, a mental construct. Truth exists to serve the party's agenda. Yeah, what is true is the party. The party what, is true. Whatever the party says is true. And so we're in a situation now where if Joe Biden says that He's going to invest ten billion dollars, and it's going to solve uh, climate change problems. And there's not going to be any hurricanes, which I heard him t- claiming credit for. Somebody was uh, speaking for him. Uh, then our job. Oh, yep, we're going to believe it. Oh, well, every uh, evolution is a is a foregone conclusion. Oh, okay, well, I guess we're all uh, evolutionists now. Yeah. Um, um, men can lactate and breastfeed. Oh, great. Uh, that's what the uh, whatever group said, the government group says. So I guess that's the truth. Um, that's the way these this edifice gets built is upon lies. And And he said the system depends for its existence on a people's fear of challenging the lies. And I think that's where we're at today. You know, I was preaching on some of that on Sunday about having courage to be the person that says, no, I'm not going to sign this diversity policy as you've written it because it violates truth. It goes against the Word of God. It goes against my, my beliefs in, in Christianity, and I'm not going to sign it. No, I'm not going to take the vaccination because I have grave concerns about the vaccination itself, and I don't trust the people that are pushing it, um, so I'm not going to take it, and you need to respect my right uh, of conscience to respectfully not participate. Yeah. I mean, all it takes is for, you know, we're seeing it with school boards, with parents who are irate, that their kids are being groomed and uh, and their minds are being twisted and deformed to believe that there's something that they cannot ever be. And, uh, and they're standing up and saying enough is enough. You know, all it takes Uh, is for Christians and people of faith, people of common sense. You may not even be a Christian, but you're smart enough to realize that that a man can't be a woman and cannot conceive and have a baby. You know what I mean? You just have to stand up and say, I don't think we should be teaching this in our public schools. Why don't we teach kids how to do math and how to read, uh, like what we used to teach them? So the whole edifice eventually, if it's built on lies, will eventually crumble. We saw this in every communistic regime. They absolutely are destroyed. They 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 crumble from within because they're built on lies. Let's not let the you know. Let's not let the foundation get built in America. Let's call it out as we can and not be afraid to speak the truth. That's that's really what, but Solzhenitsyn was. I, I thought you mentioned
0: us. one point. There's one reason that could cause us to entertain the lies is comfort. Ah, yeah. It, it, the it, pink police state yeah, is what they call yeah. it. Yeah. Let me
1: describe that, and yeah. I want you to elaborate. Uh, the pink police state was defined as an informal arrangement in which people surrender political rights in exchange for guarantees of personal pleasure. Yep. Oh, this is so good. So, how do we how do we do that in practical terms? How do we how do we embrace tyranny
0: as long as it keeps us comfortable? Yeah, because we're we're so used to one way to make a nation weak or just a people group weak is is introduce conveniences and pleasures. And then if they, uh, uh, whether it's, you know, social media access all the time, free internet, free this, free that, free healthcare, free everything, you know. Yep. And and then and then if there's any stepping out of the line, you don't have to necessarily put them to jail, but you withdraw their access to these things. And because of people's addiction to these comforts, they can't live life without it. Yep. I mean, does that describe our, our, our well, culture today? And they
1: highlight... Again, the technology companies—you yep. know—all these smart devices. Yep. Every smart device is actually like the the totalitarian regime invited into your home to listen to your intimate conversations. Now, now we wouldn't allow a government official to sit at our kitchen table twenty-four-seven right. and observe us and listen and take notes, but we're so uh. comfortable with what technology can bring us that the trade-off—at least we think—yeah is not a big deal. But we're finding, for instance, in communist China, which has a huge surveillance system, cameras everywhere, Big Brother is watching you 24-7. <clears throat> so when, when Siri, for instance, he overhears me talking about um, how much I love pizza, and then the next day on my, yep. on my information feed is an advertisement for pizza, yep. uh, we, we need to realize that what's being created out there in a moment's time can find us, track us, know what we said. No, you know. In fact, how how much is this used when when uh, the, the the elites today want to destroy somebody? Say you and I want to run for president of the United States. <laughs> uh-huh. There's whole teams that are just looking into what I liked on social media, yep. comments that I said yep. twenty years ago, some some tweet I made. I, they will go after all of that information
0: in, in an effort to simply destroy your your character, your reputation. But. But this is our lifestyle. We can't live without it. You know, we, we have to have these modern conveniences. Yeah, and it, it makes me think, you know, because who doesn't like these conveniences? Sorry.
1: And yet in an instant time with the wrong government, uh, all these things can be used against you. Even even what we know is, think about people that have built a, a major social media platform. They work very hard. They have yep. all these these people that are yep. following them. Uh, It's it's part of their income stream, or maybe it's their full-time job. And all of a sudden, some person at one of these major platforms just simply says, ah, no, we don't like you saying whatever you said. Done. I mean, cut off. Uh, And they have no recourse at all. Or banks. I've heard of banks doing the same thing with people who... Uh, you know, again, violated the the liberal orthodoxy. Uh, uh, It's scary. We're we're talking about cashless societies and everything going to digital. And it's scary when you think that literally one entity, one person, can completely
0: shut down all of your economic activity. Yeah, because all your assets are zeros and ones on the computer. It's all digital. Yeah. So there's no collection that can change your records and it's all gone and and, and so if you're if if christians are living for comfort
1: which we shouldn't be we should be living for truth but if we're living for comfort then we'll we'll sell our souls to the government as long as our comfort stays in place how many people you i've seen this in in political cycles they vote their pocketbook um i know a lot of for instance we'll we'll use this example i know a lot of good hard-working guys who are members of the union and, uh, and they will vote for a candidate who supports all these radical left causes, but who, who's friendly with the unions. And, and, and so the, basically what they're telling them, you, get, you vote for me, I'll make sure you get plenty of work. Now, what's ironic is that usually just the opposite happens on every front. The, the, this person and their party gets in power and the economy tanks. We just saw this when Biden canceled the, the pipeline uh, on day one. Uh, and there were, what, something like two quarter of a million jobs lost overnight. Um, so it's interesting that because we believe the lie that if I vote for this candidate, they're going to keep the economy strong, keep feeding me business, even though they're pro-abortion, uh, pro-sexual uh, perversion, uh, pro all these things that we know are wrong, and that this person might be a good, God-loving person who goes to church on Sunday. But at the end of the day, if you vote for your comfort and you vote for your job and you vote for your econ- what you think is going to put more money in your pocket instead of standing for truth,
0: you are paving the way yeah. for totalitarian government to come in. Yeah, when, when, the, when the Europeans came and they start colonizing China, they introduced opium. Weaken the people. Yep. Addiction. Yep. I mean, it's just—it's—it's a, it's a very simple strategy that you introduce these c- when individual comforts.
1: liberties or people get weak, then government has to get bigger, and eventually government doing open you
0: open yourself for a a a invasion by your own by your own totalitarianism, whatever yep. it is. So, so this, a,
1: this was an interesting point he made in the chapter. <laughs> um, because nobody says, yeah, let's all live under some dictator and yeah. let's all be slaves to the state. No, nobody ever wants that. He talked about the gentleness of soft totalitarianism, and I think this is, this is very eye-opening to me <coughs> because, because Satan will always try to exploit people made in the image and likeness of God. So there are certain things about what it means to be a human that he will he will twist and pervert. And one of those things again is this whole notion of a just society. There's a longing in everybody's heart. Whenever we see injustice, somebody's robbed, somebody's overlooked because of the color of their skin or whatever the situation. Whenever we see this happen, there's something inside of us that says, you know, that's not right. Um and that sense of that's not right is because we're made in the image and likeness of God. That's why there has to be a God who is just because there's a craving in human beings for justice. So where did that craving come from? It came from a God who is a just and holy and righteous God. And so we see this whole social justice movement in America today, this crusade for public righteousness, right? And but people are going about it in a way that's actually counterproductive and actually leads to greater enslavement and tyranny. So let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, when, when you call certain people victimizers or scapegoats and then you call other people um, victims, as we said, it, it plays into that Marxist template. And, um, and it's unfair fundamentally because justice is not a corporate issue. You know, when we go to court, we don't go to court as a white racist. You go to court as an individual, and you're judged on the basis of, of crimes that you personally committed. Yeah. Groups don't commit crimes. You know, We talk all about fascists, racists. No, groups don't commit crimes. People do. Yeah. Individual people commit crimes. That's why the critical race theory that's being pushed in our schools is so full of poison because it divides people into groups and then demonizes them and tells them that they're guilty of certain things when groups don't commit crimes. Again, people commit crimes. People or race are racist, not groups. So white people are not racist. Some white people are racist. Some black people are racist. But black people are not all racist any more than white people are all racist. So it's a perversion of justice because it takes it out of individual responsibility and accountability and it blames it
0: blames all Americans or, all, or certain groups of Americans for certain sins. I, I like to think about it this way. I don't know if I can explain this correctly. In our culture, we want the virtue of something that people really fought for. People like MLK Jr., Like they, they sacrifice for those virtues. We want those virtues without any true sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, just an example, um, whenever people say they have a mercy gift, okay, a mercy <laughs> gift in the church, they say, I love it, you, know, mercy. My question is, do you really have a mercy gift or you just feel bad for certain people and you unleash your anger on whoever you think is oppressing that group of people? Because if you really have a mercy gift, you show mercy on everyone, even the perpetrator, even the bully. Yep. And I've seen people who say, I have a mercy gift, and they they are like, oh, so protective of this group. But whoever they perceive as the the perpetrator, the bully, they show zero mercy to them. To me, that's not a mercy gift. That is just, you just take, you, you really care about this person, you really hate this other person. And and, and what the truly, the person with true mercy gift has developed that gift, true love to say, yeah, I want to protect the weak, but I also want to show justice and mercy to whoever the perpetrator is, right? You see what right. I'm saying? Yep. That's true character. That takes time. That takes well, virtue it, to hold that it virtue. Takes
1: personal involvement. That's why this whole thing with, <sighs> with the, uh, the border crisis is... Is a lesson on leftist hypocrisy. You know, one of the one of the fundamental fundamental purposes of government is to protect the border, to have a border to protect the citizens, to have a process of assimilation that is under the rule of law. Uh, of course, this administration was nothing to do with that. We've had what two million illegal people illegally enter the United States. Two million. This is placing a massive drain on uh, the border states. Um, <coughs> it's placing a massive drain on our economy, and I believe it's intentional because that's what that's what you do to grow government. Um, DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, was brilliant in his move because he simply said, okay, if all you folks, all you urban areas, uh, you social justice warriors, you're all about... A, uh, a sanctuary, a place where anybody can come. You even put your signs up, right? We saw the signs in Martha's Vineyard. Everybody is welcome. We do not discriminate. All the leftist ideology, all the progressive nonsense. And then when 50 people end up in their neighborhood, they call out the National Guard. They ship them out as fast as possible. They say it overwhelms our ability. These are the richest people in the world. And But here's the point. Their justice is not a personal, it it requires no personal investment. no No, Not a single person that that was in the news anyway opened up their home. But they're all about caring for the poor and the needy and the marginalized until until it's not the government doing it, until they have to do it. And it's hypocrisy, it's a twisted form of justice. It's like when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, all the folks that walked on by and he said, "Who really loved that? Who really loved that person? The one who stopped and actually yeah. did something." So, it ex- his move was brilliant because it exposed the leftist hypocrisy. You will not contain the border, and yet you expect all these communities to to be overwhelmed with the incredible needs of all these millions of people that we're letting in. Yeah, you want to ver- signal
0: virtue. Virgin- see, see, but but. Yeah. To truly help people and bring justice is more than just something signal it's really helping people caring for them yes. getting through their lives i mean you and i are we're in the business of engaging people i mean how many people you've taken your house how many people i've taken my house literally i mean literally taking people off the street into our house to live with us for same thing yeah. for you to love them to love them you know what we learn is super hard Absolutely. it's super hard to help somebody who don't want to help themselves it's super hard to change i mean i mean it, it it's this is a process this is a journey this is not something we just signal it, it's, it, it exposed how much more love do I need in my own heart. It shows me, exactly. it brought us humility to realize I need a girl, you know? This whole process, this whole journey is not just about, oh, yeah, I saw the MLK Jr. did that. I want to do that too. Well, you got to go through the hard journey to grow in that virtue. And we don't have that in our culture. We just we want that. We want to microwave of those virtues of actually growing into it. This is it. a psychological
1: therapeutic. Let's just love everybody that has absolutely no hands or feet to it. Yeah. And the government becomes the hands and feet. The funding for all of this comes from a massive redistribution of wealth. Um, and it's wicked. It is absolutely wicked to the core. There's nothing yeah. Christian about it. But this is this is how that soft totalitarianism creeps in. Yeah. It feels so good, it sounds so good, Um, it's so feeling-based without any, it's not factually based. Like, just think of the concept of open borders. What would happen to America if we just let anybody who wants to come to America come to America, and then we tell our communities and our people, do your part. We hear this from Joe Biden a million times. The rich people need to do your part. What does that mean? It means we need to steal all your money and we're going to help these people. Um, That's what it means. It's ridiculous. It is nonsensical. If you just carry out the logical thought process, you realize it's unsustainable, and all it leads to is massive chaos, which leads to power grab, which is exactly what everybody on the left wants, is bigger, bigger government. How do you get bigger government? You create chaos, and then the very problems you create, you promise that the government's going to come in and fix it, and it's all rooted in fear, And it's rooted in people will give up liberty for control if it means uh, it brings peace to their life. Uh, And it's a a carnal, selfish thing. Um, Maybe in the time that we have left, I think maybe we got a few more minutes here. Um, I'm concerned because this whole uh, pandemic, and now we're in the post-pandemic, where certain people are just now limiting the control. Um, Really what it was was a trial run on how complicit Americans are going to be to allowing government to, act, to basically call all the shots. And the genius of this from, from the, the left side, and this is, this is where, again, big government comes in, if your goal is globalism, then you need to find global problems that people feel sympathy about. where, where It plays on people's sense of justice. So let me give you two global made-up problems, all right? The first global made-up problem Is the uh, COVID 19 pandemic? It wasn't made up in that we didn't have people that got sick. What was made up was the overreach. We saw certain countries like Australia, uh, where a woman, she was not vaccinated. This was on on, uh, uh, social media. There was a man with a mask, government official, grabbing her by the throat and shoving her up against the building. What was her crime? She didn't want to be vaccinated. This is this is heavy-handed yeah. government totalitarianism. Now, that whole nation was locked down. We saw, again, on social media, entire camps that the communist Chinese created uh, that looked like a, a, a beehive, all these little white buildings where people were physically quarantined, removed from public life, quarantined. Um, this is just heavy-handed totalitarianism. But here's the thing. It's all done for your good. Yeah. And we had people saying, churches shouldn't open. They'll become super spreaders. But they were going to Walmart to buy their groceries every week. No one was worried that Walmart was going to be a super spreader. But churches couldn't open. We'd be a super spreader. So it was a global issue that preyed on people's sense of uh, justice and being a good neighbor. Um, That was one. Um, The other one is climate change. If we get everybody freaking out about climate change, I just saw, interesting enough, uh, that the ice caps have grown by, I forget how much now, um, but everything now, there's a hurricane that's hitting Florida. Well, there's been hurricanes hitting Florida ever since there was Florida, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but we're blaming it all now on climate change. And we're saying that we have to act now. Fear, 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 fear. We have to do something now. And we can't just act independently as a nation state. We have to act globally. So all these pushes try to appeal to people's sense of justice, love, kindness, equity, um, being a good neighbor, a global neighbor. And when someone comes along like Trump or this woman in... uh, uh, in Italy, and she says, "No, we're not going to sign anything that is not good for the people of Italy." In other words, we're not going to be a nice globalist. We're going to do what's right for our people. Now they get labeled a fascist. Yeah. So this is happening everywhere, and you got to open your eyes and you got to see this. Um, loving your country is not some Christian nationalist cult, and you and, and you're you're a scary person. No. You, You should love your country, but you don't even know what your country is if you don't have closed borders. Uh, So this is not being mean. Uh, This is just simply loving your nation and actually having a nation uh, that you can find your roots in and your identity in. Uh, But all this is under assault right now. Um, And it's all part of what we want you to see is part of a larger agenda. Uh, It's a governmental overreach agenda. It's a one-world agenda uh, globalist agenda this is not this is not conspiracy theory stuff this is as real as real can get and it's all around us so um, maybe next week let's pick up on how all well this has impacted the church because one of the things that Solzhenitsyn pointed out which I thought was very interesting is big government's first point of attack on their on their agenda is to go after the church and I, I preached on this Sunday. We are the last bastion of freedom between uh, a global, big government, leftist government. You know, kind of takeover. It's always the church. It's because we believe in truth. It's because we love God. It's because we believe in a transcendent moral order, and because we fear God more than we fear man. That means we're not manipulated by the power of the state. Because we believe in eternal life, and because we believe we're going to we're going to live forever on a new earth. We're not living for short-term agendas, we're, we're living for long-term uh, maximum pleasure, not short-term immediate pleasure, we're living for long-term pleasure, so we're not manipulated. That's why the priests would be executed and they'd say, do you believe in God? Yes, boom, the communists would kill them, they go to the next one, do you believe in God? Yes, kill that one. Because they're not manipulated by short-term government ideology and agenda, that's why we're the biggest threat to big government. And it's why I believe what we're going to see in America is a greater and greater attack on pastors and on churches that are standing for the truth. And, and as Solzhenitsyn said, we close with this, it's the very act of courage to stand against the lies that actually saves you from the lies themselves and causes that system of cars to come yeah. crashing to the ground. So we've got to be more bold than ever. At yeah, some, point, some point, someone's got to say the emperor got no clothes on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, guys, you're naked, and we see it. Uh, we're not yeah. pretending you have a beautiful suit on. You're absolutely butt naked. And that takes guts to say that, but we, we, yeah. ne- we need to say it. That's what it means to be truly prophetic and for the church to be prophetic. Yeah. And I encourage you, sometimes people throw stones at the church, and, and, and I want to encourage you, if you're at a church with a pastor who does not have the courage to speak the truth, my question to you would be, why are you at that church? You're part of the problem. It's easy to cast stones at the church when you're attending a church that supports the very problems that we're seeing all around us. Get out of that church while you can. Go to a church with a pastor who preaches the word. Go to a church where the Bible is supreme. Go to a church where people have courage to stand. Don't go to a church that's complicit with the current wokeness and compromise that's so prevalent in America today. That's part of the problem. Get involved and go to a church that's getting involved. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. We're going to get into this in our next uh, podcast because, um, again, much of the problem, as we saw in in, uh, in uh, uh, Germany under Hitler, certainly in Stalin, uh, was a church that by the time they got the courage to speak up, by the time they actually saw what was going on, it was too late. Um, I believe, better things for the American church. Absolutely. And uh, we'll speak into that. Yep. Absolutely. We'll speak into that next week. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing week. We look forward to being with you next Thursday.